I don't mean to brag, but I've gotten really good at washing my hands lately. <laughs> you know, 20 seconds, hot water, and I use soap. I've got a little song that I sing while I'm washing my hands. I even managed to get my thumbs, which I didn't realize was a problem. There's a lot of things about COVID-19 that I can't control. There's a lot of things I don't understand, but, but one thing I understand is washing my hands. My, my mom taught me to wash my hands, and you know, there's times I can still hear her voice. There's times I hear, wash your hands, wash your hands. And if I ended up getting sick, if, if you know, God forbid, I ended up getting COVID-19, I know exactly what my mom would say. My mom would say, you should have washed your hands. <laughs> That's that's our world to us. That, uh, that is where we live. We understand the importance of washing our hands. We live in a world where we understand germs and we understand microbes and we, we kind of understand viruses. I need you to set that all aside just for a few minutes as we dig into the scripture today, though. We're going to be in Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 54. And in this passage, in this long passage, Jesus, he calls out the Pharisees, the, the teachers of the law. He calls them out on their evil activities. And it is a long passage. It is a harsh conversation that ultimately turns these religious leaders away from Jesus. And from this point on, they, they are out to get him. But it all starts with a question about washing your hands. <laughs> Let's begin in Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 41. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. And the Pharisee was astonished to see that he, that is Jesus, did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now, now you Pharisees, you cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also, but give alms, give as alms those things that are within and behold, everything is clean to you. If he had just washed his hands. Now realize, again, this has nothing to do with germs. This, this has nothing to do. When, when they washed their hands, there was no soap. Uh, there was not even clean water when they washed their hands. It was just a ceremony. It was an outwardly way to prove that inside they were clean. But Jesus, in in refusing to wash his hands, he's, he's refusing to play their game. He refused to accept their standards of holiness as his standards of holiness and refused to accept their standard of holiness as God's standard for holiness. Now, the problem was that the Pharisees, the Pharisees were loud. People listened to them. They were influential. They had influence over faith, over families. They had influence over politics in their world. What they said carried weight. And so when Jesus confronts them, he is harsh with them because they should be the ones setting an example of where God's heart is and what is vital to God. 
But instead, they're paying so much attention to playing the game, to looking the part, that they are in reality not helping anyone. That's why we need to hear Jesus's rebuke of them as a warning for ourselves. Because we can get hung up just as they did. We can get hung up on just looking good, on, on looking the part, on sounding good, on sounding right, on, on making a lot of noise. But are we making any difference in the lives of the people around us? Are we bringing God's love to our world? Are we bringing his justice to our world? What Jesus teaches us here is that what's vital to God needs to be vital to us because it is vital for our world. And so the way that Jesus confronts the Pharisees and the lawyers here should call us to ask some questions about ourselves. One of the first questions we need to ask ourselves here is, are we majoring in the majors? Or are we majoring in the minors? There's a lot to take in in this passage, and so we're going to kind of walk through it slowly and bring it down to our understanding. It begins here with the issue of hand washing. And as I've said several times now, it had nothing to do with cleaning your hands. It had nothing to do with removing dirt and germs. It had nothing to do with, with washing even, really. It wasn't so much about washing as it was pouring. They would hold their hand up and take a pitcher of water and pour from the tips of their fingers and let it drip down to their elbows, all the while saying a prayer, saying it out loud so that people knew that they were praying and knew that they were washing. Now, uh, there was no soap involved. The water was wasn't even fit to drink. If you remember from John chapter 2, Jesus goes to the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee and he turns the water into wine. The water that was there was for washing. It was for ceremonial purity. It, it just gave the appearance of being clean. It, it only touched what was on the outside and it didn't touch what was on the inside of the person. And so here Jesus confront that in verse 37, where he says to them, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You are so consumed with looking the part, but what's in the heart are the things that you do and then the things that you force other people to do. Are they really God's concerns we could ask the same of ourselves. Do we get upset about the things that make God upset? Are our hearts broken where God's heart is broken? Or do we, do we just make a lot of noise? Do we do our best to look like we're holy? I saw a video online a couple weeks ago, and it was... It was a person in a store, and the store that this person had gone to had required all of its customers to wear masks. If you were going to come in and shop, you had to wear a mask. And this person was upset, and so they, they got their cell phone out, and they took a video of themselves with the mask on in the store. And one of the statements that they made in the video was they said, uh, they're taking away my basic human rights. Now, I, I understand 
Wearing a mask can be strange, and we don't always understand why we're asked to do these things. Uh, wearing a mask can be strange. It, it can, trust me, it, it can be uncomfortable, and it can be a little annoying. Try it with a beard like this. You'll, you'll see how annoying it is. But is it worth the noise? You know, are they taking away our basic human rights? I've got a box of masks here that I bought, and I look at this box, and I notice on the side that it says that these masks were made in China. Now, I've been reading the news and watching the news, and, and I've learned over the years that many of the things that we read that are made in China are made with slave labor, with people in detention camps. And lately, our attention has been given to a group of people in China, a group of, of Muslims in China who are called the Uyghurs, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but this group that lived in one section of China has been taken from their home, rounded up. They have been put in detention camps. They are being systematically eliminated from society, and many of them are losing their lives. They're separated from their family they, they're being killed folks my basic human rights are being violated for wearing a mask when the person who made this mask may not live to see tomorrow are our hearts breaking for the things that God's heart breaks are we aware of, 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 of the, the things that must break the heart of God you know, we, we're in Luke chapter 11. We began this chapter with the Lord's Prayer, and it was there in verse 2. The very first request in the Lord's Prayer is your, your kingdom come. Are we seeking God's kingdom? Are we seeking to bring his justice to our world? Do our hearts break for the things that break the heart of God? <laughs> My wife has a phrase that she has to use on me every now and then. Every now and then she says, you have to pick your battles. In other words, you can't get upset about everything. You can't let everything bother you. You can't get worked up about everything. I, that's true. And I want my battles to be God's battles. I want the things that I'm concerned about to be the things that God's concerned about. Now hear me because I can't turn that around. I can't force my concerns on God. I can't force my heart on him. Verse 40, Jesus says, You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? If God made my heart, then I can't simply cover that up by trying to look good and look the parts I have to give my heart to him. Verse 41, Jesus goes on and says, but give alms, but give as alms those things that are within and behold, everything is clean to you. To give as alms, to, to offer something back to God. The question there is, am, am I going to surrender? Am I going to surrender my wickedness that's inside me? Am I going to surrender that to God? Will I major in the majors? Will we major in the majors? Will we let the things that break the heart of God break our hearts also? And will you let him cleanse you? You see, that's, that's where we have to begin. Pick your battles. Make sure that the things that are major to you 
are the things that are major to God. Let's, uh, let's not make noise over things that God does not make noise over. Jesus goes on and he tells us why that's important. It's because, well, it's because people are listening to us. This passage is often called the, the six woes because between verses 42 and 52, Jesus says the word woe six times. Now, we need to talk about woe for a minute. When you hear the word woe, maybe you're thinking of horses. Maybe you're thinking about woe and, and Jesus is saying, now, woe, slow down there, Pharisees. And that's, that's not it. Maybe you hear the word woe and and you think of someone saying, oh, woe is me, or oh, woe is you. We often say that as a sarcastic way of telling people, just get over yourself. You know, our Bible translators, they do a good job of cleaning up the Bible. They do a good job of making it presentable, making it palatable. If we were to translate these six woes literally, we would have to call them the six dams. We would have to say, damn you Pharisees, damn you Pharisees, damn you lawyers, and we would have to hear it like that. These are, these are warnings with dire, eternal consequences. These are things that will send you to hell. And one of the big reasons they are worthy of that kind of condemnation is that people are listening to the Pharisees and People are listening to us. People heard the Pharisees. They respected them. They respected their authority. And the whole time, they're leading people astray. And so Jesus addresses that in verses 42 through 44. He says, but woe to you, Pharisees. Damn you, Pharisees. For you tithe the mint and the rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. Well, these you ought to have done without neglecting the, the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the, market, in the synagogues and, and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves. and People walk over them without knowing it. There's a lot happening in this passage, but listen again to that last woe. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. Now, the law of Moses stated that if you came in contact, not just with a dead body, but if you came in contact with a grave, you would be unclean for seven days. For seven days, you would be unclean. And so therefore, graves were marked, just as we mark them today. Graves were marked. Graves were recognized. Graves were, everybody knew where the graves were. And, and, and even to come in contact with an unmarked grave, even without knowing it, you would be unclean. You would be unfit for worship for seven days, for a solid week. And Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you're like those unmarked graves. People don't know how dangerous you are. They come into contact with you all the time and, and they don't recognize how dangerous you are, that you're really harming their relationship with God. This is why James, the brother of Jesus, tells us in James chapter 3, verse 1, not many of you should presume to be teachers because you will be judged with a stricter judgment. This is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, if one of you should cause one of these little ones to sin, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and be dropped into the water, dropped into the sea. People are listening to us. What are they hearing? 
What do they hear us telling them? What do they hear us promoting? What do they hear us getting worked up about? Verse 42 says, you neglect justice and the love of God. I can't read those words without going back to to Micah. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, where Micah says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. We've neglected justice, Jesus says. You've neglected justice. You've neglected the love of God. Micah says these things are required of you. Do the people who hear us hear that? In everything that we rant and rave about, in everything that we get angry and upset about, in in everything that we post online about, are we seeking justice? Are we seeking kindness? Are we seeking God's love? You know, the Pharisees were loud and people listened to them. But I have to tell you, every single one of us today, every single one of us is louder than those Pharisees could have ever been. The things that you and I say, the things that you and I respond to, the things that you and I post online, they are broadcast around the world. And even if you're one of those that says, well, I'm not on social media. I'm not, I'm not one to go on social media and post those things. I don't even have an account. You got people listening to you. A good number of you have kids listening to you. A great number of you have grandkids listening to you. Do you want them to hear God's heart from you? Do you want them to hear mercy, justice, love coming from you? When they hear you, are they hearing the heart of God? We need to hear Jesus' rebukes for us here. We need to hear them for ourselves, and we need to ask ourselves some hard questions. Are the things that are vital to God, are they vital to us? Do the people around us hear his heart? But it's not just about those who are listening to us. It's about the people we are listening to. And so as we continue on in Jesus' rebuke here, he's also telling us to choose our heroes wisely. I hope you noticed that this passage began at a table. This passage began with an engagement at a table. Jesus is engaging the the Pharisees. He's engaging the lawyers. It's just not, well, it's not a positive engagement. doesn't seem like it would have been a very fun dinner party. And lawyers in that day, that, that had a different meaning than it does today. Lawyers were experts in the Jewish law. Um, you might think of the Pharisees as the front men. Those are the guys who are out in front. The lawyers were kind of like their research assistants. Uh, They followed the Pharisees. They supported them. They they made them look good and sound good. And so you, you hear what they say to Jesus in verse 45. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. In other words, you just roasted the Pharisees. Don't forget about us. Roast us too. Tell us what's wrong with us, Jesus. And so Jesus unloads on them also. Beginning in verse 46, he says to them, 
damn you, lawyers. Woe to you, lawyers, also, for you load people up with burdens that are hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers. For you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves and you hinder those who were entering. Again, there's a lot to take in here. And so if we simplify it, let me just simplify it by saying these lawyers, they saw the Pharisees as their heroes and in propping them up and in defending them, they were destroying the law that God had intended to bring people to use to bring people to him. Verse 47, he says, you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. Verse 52, he says, woe to you for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves and you hinder those who were entering. The job of these lawyers was to make the, the law of God more understandable. The job was to make the way, of, way to God understandable to the common people. But all they did was complicate things. And instead of making the law a clear path, they turned it into an obstacle course. Because, well, because that's what their heroes wanted. They wanted to be justified. And so these lawyers justified them. Jesus is saying, why didn't you choose what God wanted of you? Why didn't you make his way known? But to follow the Pharisees instead, instead to follow the Pharisees, uh, there was more notoriety in that. There was more success. There was more money in that and Jesus is saying, you've chosen the wrong heroes. Boy, that should call all of us. That should call all of us to look, to, those, to look at those that we look up to. Who are they? What are those people saying? Are they the kind of people who are seeking justice, who are seeking God's kindness, who are seeking the love of God? I find myself going back to them so often. There in, in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I can't make excuses for people who do not bear those qualities. I can't take someone who doesn't have those qualities and turn that person into a saint, turn that person into someone who's worthy of our devotion, who's worthy of us following them. If we're not seeing the fruit of the Spirit in the lives of the people that we emulate, then what is Jesus saying not just about them, but, but about us? And he says, woe to you. Woe to all of us. This is not who we're called to be. This is not who we're called to imitate. This is not who we're called to lift up. This engagement with the Pharisees and the lawyers, it, it ends with two verses that 
really set us up for the rest of Luke's gospel. Verses 53 and 54 say, As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Jesus had gotten their attention. He'd gotten the attention of the lawyers and the Pharisees. He'd gotten their attention. They're listening now, not listening to follow him, but listening to catch him. They are lying in wait. And this passage sets the trajectory, not just for Jerusalem, but it sets the trajectory to the cross. They will see Jesus hanged for this. If he had just washed his hands, I hope... I hope we don't hear these woes as woes for us. I I certainly hope they are not our condemnation, but I hope they are warnings for us. I hope they're warnings for us to choose very carefully, choose what we say, choose how we influence other, and choose who it is that's influencing us. We have a world of people who are listening to us, And a great number of them have heard our prayer. They have heard the prayer that Jesus taught us at the beginning of this chapter. Your kingdom come. They know that is our prayer. They need to hear his kingdom come as we seek it, as we seek justice, as we seek mercy, as we seek kindness, as we seek to walk humbly with our God. And as each of us looks to Jesus, desiring not only to to know him, but to make him known in our world. We come again to our time of communion, to the bread that reminds us of the body broken, to the blood, to the cup that reminds us of the blood that is shed. And we come to remind ourselves that just as Christ has committed himself to us, we commit ourselves to him. That with the price that he paid, not just for our salvation, but for our mission, With that price, we seek to lift him up. We seek to make him known. There are people in our world who need to know his love, who need to know his justice. The only way they're going to find it is if we are showing it to them. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this call that you've given us to make your son known. And as we take together today of of the, the bread and the cup, as we remind ourselves of the price that's paid. Remind us, Lord, that in so many ways we have to lay ourselves down just as Jesus laid himself down for us. We have to lay down the things that are deep within us, the things that so many of them are just rotten and unclean. And we have to take up the care of Christ. We have to take up his love. We have to take up his mercy. Remind us today as we take this together of that calling. And remind us it is the only hope for our world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.